0: Well, if you have your Bibles with you, if you take the Word of God and turn with me to the book of First John, please. First John chapter 3. And a very familiar verse, but let's begin, if we would, in chapter 3 and verse number 1. The Word of God says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is a transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. We're in verse 6 of chapter 3. The Word of God says, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the son of god was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil the bible tells us um, uh, that uh, in in the first portion uh, of the chapter we talk about our fellowship chapter one and chapter two and yet in chapter three it it has been said where, where the discussion is made of our sonship and that's why the bible tells us in verse number one uh, what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of god we're talking about an unmeasurable love it is a manner of love that only comes from christ it is a manner of love which we cannot fully comprehend which we could not in our flesh fully display but it is a manner of love which we are to seek to uh, give to others and, and give to christ just the same and so uh, God tells us here in, in, the, in um, this passage of Scripture uh, how we are to live a holy life, uh, the, the um, things which we are to be a part of our life that would cause us to live a holy life. In fact, the, they really serve as incentives for us. From in chapter three from verse one down through verse eight we really find the three persons of God are mentioned yet again if you remember already we looked in the first two chapters and saw the uh, reference which was made to those three persons of God and yet John so uniquely yet without even in some ways directly mentioning yet he, he uh, describes the relationship uh, the love relationship that we have with God and yet in the same sense describing the very persons of God uh, uh, of the same way. Look at First John chapter one and verse number eight, if you would, just to kind of gain some context here uh, in connection. These verses kind of parallel with some of this passage. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word. is is not in us remember in chapter 1 the Bible talks about that which we say from verse 6 down through verse 10 we find that repeated phrase if we say and it also speaks again following the chapter 2 of that which we do in our walk our our walk and our talk it's speaking of our love relationship and uh, having fellowship with him but yet in the same it speaks of our love relationship with God and in the very same way it speaks of our uh, how the, the truth of what we believe to be truth in our life And it is these three things which John touches on continuously, love, obedience, and truth. And we see that yet again in the the third chapter here as he begins speaking of God the Father. The Bible tells us of these reasons for living a holy life. The first is found in verse 1 where the Bible tells us that we are to be living a holy life. Why? Because of who we are because of who we are. Who are we? We are children of God, or more specifically, we are the sons of God. The Bible describes us as we are the sons of God. Um, as, as And he's speaking to the believer here, those of us who know Christ, we are his children. And all God's people said, amen. That's a wonderful thing to have to be a child of God. Amen. And to serve a heavenly father. And the Bible describes the love of God the Father. He loves us and his love is so unique. It's so surpassing of anything else uh, which could ever be compared to upon this earth. And we being called the sons of God should motivate us to live then a holy life. He continues. Number two, because of what we will be. So because of who we are, we're sons of God. But number two, because of what we will be. And what does the Bible tell us we will be? Verse two. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The Bible tells us we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. We shall know Christ um, even more than that which we are given in Scripture itself. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. The Bible tells us yet another passage. Keep your finger in 1 John. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 20. The Bible tells us we are the sons of God. Uh, We are not yet with Christ, but someday we will be. And not only will we be with Christ, but we will be like him, the Bible tells us. And we shall see him for who he really is. And uh, not that God has anything to hide, but we shall uh, be. When the Bible tells us we shall be like God, it means we will be sinless. Amen. There will be no more sin, there will be no more heartache, there will be no more crying, and there will be no more um, um, uh, fleshly desires. When we go to be with Christ, we shall know him, that is to say, we shall understand and, and, uh, um, and see Christ in that fashion. Philippians 3 verse 20, the Bible says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall change our vile body? Boy, that's one way to describe our bodies. That it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. The Bible tells us that Christ's coming is to be yet another incentive of holy living. It is to uh, cause us and encourage us to, to live for Christ in obedience and faithfulness to Him. Again, it, here we speak of God the Father. God, it is what God has made possible for us. He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And in His love, He made a way of salvation possible, which when received by faith, the Bible tells us we then become the sons of God. So this way of holy living, the Bible tells us, number one, it's because of who we are. We are the sons of God. Number two, it's because of what we will be. We will be like him. We will see him as he is. And by the way, what should motivate you to keep from sin and live for God is to remember that uh, we the the things of this earth will pass away. Amen. Uh, that, That which we have to look forward to with Christ and the mansions which he is building for us in heaven. That that is what our eyes should be set upon. And this is the reasoning which John is giving to us yet further. He says, Yes. You, you have received Christ. You have a relationship, a true fellowship with God. And a true fellowship with Christ is living in obedience and faithfulness to him and is striving to keep from sin. And that brings us to the third area. And yet he waxes a little further eloquent upon this uh, idea. The Bible tells us what we should be. What we should be. Number one, because of who we are. Number two, because of what we will be. But number three, because of what we should be. This is the reasons for living a holy life. We should, and this is the third point, keep ourselves clean. Look at verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in him purify himself, even as he, that being God, is pure. Uh, I, you could stop alone on verse 3. Every man that hath this hope. Aren't you thankful for the hope we have in the Lord? Amen? The hope that Jesus Christ has given us. This is not a hope as in a hope that it happens. It's a hope again, is an, of a confidence, and we've seen this word already uh, in the first two chapters. But the Bible says, uh, notice um, concerning Christ at the end of verse five, the Bible says, "In Him is no sin." That's speaking of God. Verse seven, the Bible says, "He is righteous." And in verse um, uh, eight, the Bible says, in the end of the verse, "The Son of God was manifested that." he might destroy the works of the devil. In fact, the Bible tells us the two things which Christ had manifested or he appeared, he had made him he had made himself known to mankind. Verse 5 tells us he was made manifest to take away our sins. That's Jesus Christ. We've seen God the Father in verse 1 and 2, and now from verse 3 down through verse 8 we see the son of God, Jesus Christ, and the Bible tells us that the second area yes to make uh, uh, to take away our sins but number two in verse eight as i just read that he might destroy the works of the devil this is not to say that that uh, satan's the battle of satan um, uh, was not yet won we have already been given the promise that we have the victory amen though satan would work against us though satan still works against us in the day in which we live yet we have hope and and the very fact of knowing that Satan has already lost. Christ has won, amen? Are you with me this evening? Amen? Christ has won. The battle has already been won. We have hope in Christ. And, and this is uh, really what John is, is uh, just kind of going on about. He's, he's, he's describing, uh, again, the very persons of God, but yet this should be every reason why we live a holy life. This should be the reasons why we keep from sin. Because as we read already in, in, in chapter one, the Bible speaks of our walk and our talk. You may say that you um, are not in sin, but yet, if your life describes otherwise, that is, you're walking in sin, you are practicing sin, you are tolerating sin, you are not truly having fellowship with God, you are not truly loving God as you should, you are not truly obeying God as you should, but yet, uh, you are calling God a liar, you're making yourself a liar, and you're describing yourself to be everything other than what God is intended for you to be. In fact, He goes this far, and we'll look together at it to say that are do you even know christ are you even a christian look with me if you would in verse number four the bible says whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law for sin is the transgression of the law look at verse five and ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin now uh, you're if you're you maybe you haven't pre-read the passage you maybe you already have but in the study of it you find the context of that which is referring to again in him is no sin uh that we shall someday be like him therefore we shall someday be sinless so why would we give ourselves to sins in the in the day and age in which we're living today knowing that we shall someday be like him and paul's really creating an argument to say if you truly know Christ and you have fellowship with God and you understand his love and you're striving to live in obedience, there will not be prevalent sins in your life. Those things will be removed from. And that's why he says in verse 4: Whosoever committed sin transgresseth also the law, for the sin is a transgression of the law. He's created yet this argument to give us this in verse six. Notice: Whosoever abideth in him. Here's the comparison two sides of a coin there are those who commit sin but yet those who abide in him now understand the word abide that's given to us in this passage is really uh, in its literal meaning it's speaking of identifying with god Uh, not in the same way exactly as it's used in john chapter 15 but he's saying here in 1 john 3 that we are choosing and should be choosing to identify with god Rather than identifying with the things of this world. Are you with me this evening? Say amen. All right, making sure we're awake. I know I'm moving along here, but uh, um, the Bible tells us that the unbeliever who sins uh, in reality is, I, I heard it said this way an unbeliever who sins is a creature sinning against his creator. A Christian who sins is a child sinning against his father. Um, it's uh, like the illustration I've heard of a, a teenager who was with a group of friends and one of the friends said, uh, let's go to this restaurant to eat and uh, uh, you know we can stay there late, and we can get some drinks and, and the girl responded and said, you know what, I'd rather you guys just take me home. Uh, my father would not like to know that I was there and I, I know he would not allow me to be there. And the teenagers then responded to say, oh what are you, afraid uh, uh, of, of your father hurting you? And she her response was, no, I'm afraid of hurting my father. And the truth is, that's that's how we should be looking at our relationship with God in the same when we choose to give ourselves towards sins and things of this world. We yes, we hurt ourselves, but uh, yes, we can even hurt others. But in reality, we hurt our heavenly father because the Bible says this behold, that is see make no get your eyes upon this fact. The love of God. Behold, what manner? It's a manner which cannot be truly described in man's terms. The Bible tells us, behold, the love which God has displayed. See the love that God has displayed. Shame on us for seeking to live any other life than a holy life for God. And so uh, in in turn, what do we do? The Bible tells us, whosoever, verse 6, abideth in him, sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. So if you're truly identifying with God, there is not going to be known sins in your life. You're not going to be allowing sin to exist. You're not going to be tolerating sin within your life. And um, so we, we're brought even to this question tonight. You, maybe you're here this evening. We're talking about the love of Christ. Are there, is there sin in your life which you have not brought to Christ? John goes as far to say this in verse 7. Little children, lo, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. The Bible tells us that Christ is God and willing to become a servant, but Satan was a servant and wanted to become a God. And so we understand in the very same sense that uh, we can be deceived to think that um, uh, we can be saved and still regularly, practice sin in our life. I'll say that again. We can be deceived to think that we can allow sin to exist in our life continually and yet think all along that we truly have a relationship with God. John is not saying that if you're a Christian you're going to be sinless, okay? If that were truly possible, what a wonderful life that would be, no more sin. John is simply saying this that if you know Christ If you have a relationship with Christ, if you love him as he loves you, if you have fellowship with him more than just a relationship as you claim to have, there will not be known sins in your life. Others will not question you for the life in which you're living. You will will actually be under conviction when you know and there is identified sins in your life which you need to bring to God. But if there's no conviction, if there's no uh, um, uh, Holy Spirit working within your life, therefore you're not abiding in God. You're not identifying with Christ. And John says this, do you even know Christ? Are you even a Christian? You know, it's very possible that there could be someone here tonight that you say, yes, I've received Christ, but why is there sin in your life? Why are you allowing? Why are you tolerating sin? Why are you letting it exist in your life? John is saying the very same thing as, as what we could uh, make the, or fairly make the argument of others. Uh, you see someone who says they're loving for God, and then yet suddenly they so turn to a whole different lifestyle. Yes sin does take control of our lives sin does separate us from christ but there are those that have been deceived that they actually have a relationship with god yet they have so given themselves to sin someone would ask the question and every money would have come to even think do they even know christ have they ever truly received christ I know um, even as a a young boy up until I was 13 and really got serious about my relationship with God and really uh, took the time to consider whether or not I had fellowship with Christ, and I'm using the words which John is using, whether or not I truly had put my faith and trust in Christ, I realized that uh, I had not truly given my life to God because there were sins in my life that still existed. There were sins in my life that I had not... uh, um, um, so told God, Lord, you can have every part of my life. You see, that's a relationship with Christ where we say, Lord, I realize that I'm a sinner, but God, please forgive me of my sins. I'm giving my life to you all, wholly and entirely. I'm choosing that to, to let the old man pass away and to now have a new life in Christ. That's why, and we'll get ahead of ourselves a little bit, but the Bible says in verse 14, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. In here, he's making the argument in the very fact that if you know Christ, you're going to be loving others in Christ. But he says this also that we have passed from death unto life. If you have truly received Christ, the old man is passed away. You're not going to be living, sin, uh, living uh, with the sins of your past life um, and now this new life with Christ because that's the very thing. It's died. It's been put to death. You say, "Well, I'm still going to have temptation to do that." Yes, <laughs> you will. For the alcoholic who, uh, you know, becomes sober and understands that he needs Christ, he doesn't. Yes, God can take a hold of his life. Yes, God can change his life. But the physical addictions in his life, he's going to have to determine uh, to to get some help, to ask the Lord to help him, to in maybe some cases get some therapy. Um, uh, but um, the, John is making this argument again to say. If you have truly given your life to God, you're going to be doing all that you can to keep sin from your life. It's not that you can completely isolate yourself from any temptation. Temptation's not the sin. It's the drawing yourself into it. It's the giving into sin that is the sin. But the Bible tells us that you are seeking to live a life that's holy. That's pleasing to God. One that is living in the hope. Of Jesus Christ's return, one that is living with um, the uh, our eternal home in heaven in view. Uh, you're remembering you will not be on this earth forever. One that is considering the very fact that you are a child of God. God has given you a new life. You will no longer have this body. So why would we allow ourselves to live any other way? We're ta- we, John's really talking to two different kinds of people when we read this passage, though the context is speaking to that of Christians. Yet. When we read it together, we understand this. There's the question that they say they have a relationship with God, but sins are existing in their life. John makes this argument. Live a holy life. You truly know God? Love Him as you should. Obey Him as you should. Uh, um, Live in truth as you should. And then there's the other side, the individual that doesn't even know Christ. The individual that has so deceived themselves to think that they have a relationship with God, but yet sin still exists. Um, you know, at the very least, what this, this passage of scripture should cause us to consider is who are the people that God has brought by our way uh, that uh, we can just have a very frank talk with the word of God before us to be able to say, hey, have you truly ever given your life to Christ? Well, yeah, I did when I was a little boy. Well, what about the life that you're living now? Because the word of God even tells us that if you know Christ, you're not going to have sin in your life. You're not going to be so um, willing to give into sin. Uh, The Bible speaks of the seared conscience. We can see our own conscience. But there are those who have never received Christ. I wonder, maybe you're here tonight and you've never received Christ. Uh, and maybe you've never uh, understood what it means to love God. Maybe you've never understood that God loves you. Maybe you've never understood that God loves you and the manner of his love is so large and so big that God forgives you. Even before you've ever asked him for forgiveness. There's no sin that God cannot forgive. Amen. There's no uh, individual that God does not love. Praise God for the promises He gives in John three sixteen that He loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, He made a way of salvation possible, and He offers that to every one of us. You've received that gift, you've received that everlasting life, are you living like a child of God?